You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Everyone to RB1 Colin of Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by FakeTeams.com. I am your humble host, Peter Roger, joined by all of the guys. We are all here. Mr. Ender Drinker, Clark Barn, the working girl, Jordan Smith, the man, the myth, the legend, Ginger Nick. You guys, whew, I was just about to say this before we started recording, but now that we're recording, I'll say it. These one a weeks, it makes this feel so special. And so it's, 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 first of all, it's just rare when all four of us are on the podcast together. And now that we're only doing it once a week, I just, I cherish these moments. I cherish them. Yeah. You really got to put in 110% when you're only doing it for an hour out of how many hours we get in a week. I don't know. I'm not a math major. <laughs> we got, we got, you're right. We got lots to talk about uh, because the NFL moves with moves without us. And so even though we are only on a once a month, a once a week schedule, the NFL is still a seven days a week schedule. So got lots to cover. Um, we're going to talk about, uh, we're gonna talk about all the coaching news that's been going around. We're going to talk about the, uh, the Steelers descent into just sheer and utter chaos and dysfunction. Uh, then we're also going to recap the season's beer bets as well as Clark's and my wild card bets, and then maybe do a little divisional round preview. Um, but between coaching hires and Steelers dysfunction, which one? What? What? What do you want? What do you guys want to start with? What are you feeling? I don't care about the Steelers. So, so let's yeah. start so with them. <laughs> like, let's do those guys then. Uh, obviously, this is this is old news for everyone now because we've uh, because you know, the news cycle has passed us. But we figured we want to tune in and give our thoughts on the matter. Uh, basically the whole premise is constructed around the Steelers dysfunction uh, resulting with Antonio Brown going a little AWOL at the end of the year uh, in which he missed and just kind of straight up left practices on Friday and thus was not an active member of the Steelers team on Sunday when they played uh, the, who did they play this Bengals um, uh, with a chance to make it to the playoffs. So the question that's on everyone's minds now is this is the – and then, of course, in the offseason, I think Antonio Brown has said that he wants to get a trade, gets traded. Um, so the question on everyone's mind is, well, does Antonio Brown get traded? Uh, and if so, to whom? So, Nick, we'll start with you. What – generally, just what's your feeling on this matter? Is this something that the Steelers can uh, can come back from, or is this pretty much nail in the coffin and A.B. is not playing in Pittsburgh next year? Um. I think it's going to be really hard to move him because his his dead money for the team uh, is I think it's twenty twenty one next year twenty one million fourteen the following and then seven and seven is only small because we're comparing it to twenty one and fourteen um, so I think it's more than likely he'll be back unless you you know trick a team into somehow taking those hits but i don't i can't imagine the steelers will pay him 21 million dollars to go play somewhere else 
Yeah, I saw some hard-hitting reporting. Uh, apparently, the Steelers will be asking for, quote, a lot <laughs> for Antonio Brown. Whoa. Doing so the Lord's work there. out there, football Twitter. Damn. That is some, that is some visionary shit. Um, I... What what excites not excites me? What am I? What's the word I'm looking for? Get excited! Sponsored by Seattle's P. Get sponsored. We're sponsored. The excitement level. Well, excited in, in certain parts of the body. Uh, the thing that interests me in this whole shindig is how much the Steelers get a pass for their own dysfunction. Like this is not a, this is not a uncommon event for the Steelers like this is a pretty regular occurrence in Pittsburgh where someone on the team is you know talks about something says how they don't want to play there blah 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 chaos ensues Ben Ben Roethlisberger usually eventually tells everyone that they all suck and that they're the reason for the losses and that he has done no wrong he throws everyone under the bus he then pretends that he had like a a broken pinky that threw off his entire game. And then he fought through like a, a true champion of the people. Antonio Brown has made multiple times, you know, has, has kind of gone AWOL a couple of times this season and in seasons prior, we have the whole Lavian Bell thing. And so my question is, I mean, uh, where's ESPN's, you know, 10, 20,000 word breakdown about the, the, the whole entire death of the Steelers organization that they love to write. Anytime there's like, mild whisperings in Foxborough that things are a little uneven. They're always like, ah, all the Patriots dynasty is over. Meanwhile, in Pittsburgh, it's just freaking chaos. And they're like, man, no, that's not, not, not newsworthy. So I'm calling you out ESPN. Unsurprisingly, as a Patriots fan, I, I uh, don't, don't like your bipartisanship. It's, I don't it's think hard, out here. Right. It's hard out here for us Patriots fans, isn't it? It's so hard, man. God, so our, life is, our life is really tough. Really Damn it, tough. Nick. Pick a team. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, one. While we're on the topic, <laughs> I, got, I can have, have two teams. teams. Yeah, You're you so can't bad. have two teams, Nicholas. Let's actually, okay. this is, we need to but figure I, this out right here, right now. Nicholas, pick a team. But it's like recognizing Patriot. the Ukraine as a country. I'm not going to do it. Ooh, yeah. No, Shouts um, out to Ukraine. Take that. I, I think we're honestly asking the wrong question. It's not who should Antonio Brown be traded to. It's who should Ben Roethlisberger be traded to. Antonio Brown is the one that actually still wins them football games by coming up with miraculous plays. Like Ben Roethlisberger isn't doing that with any other wide receiver. Uh, Just based on the hits and the wear and tear that Ben Roethlisberger has suffered through his career, he's not going to have a precipitous drop-off. I imagine his is just going to be a complete cliff like Peyton Manning's. Um, that's not to say he might not have another good year or two, but after that, it's going to be in the depths. We know who Antonio Brown is. He's flashy. You know, he's in commercials. He likes to dance around. We know who he is, but Ben Roethlisberger is actually the patient zero for all the drama that comes out of Pittsburgh. He's bringing up Le'Veon Bell weeks after we find out that he's not reporting to the team. Um, he's talking about last year saying, oh, maybe I just don't have it anymore after a terrible game. Um, it's this drama right now that's between him and Antonio Brown. And of course, you know, Tomlin kind of has to side with the QB because the QB, I I guess still kind of runs the team there, but I I don't know. I, I would try to move on from Ben Roethlisberger before I moved on from Antonio Brown. 
I'm I, fully on board with that. I 100% agree with that. I had that even in my notes. I was going to surprise all of you being like, but what if the Steelers traded Ben Roethlisberger instead? But I'm, of course. There are plenty of teams that would want a quarterback that you could just fleece for picks. Totally. Absolutely. Oh my God, of course. And the thing is, is Ben Ben Roethlisberger is that perfect level of like veteran quarterback who you could easily sell to a team on the brink of the playoffs. Like the Jaguars is the first team that comes to mind. Where that's it's exactly like, what I was thinking. Right, they're a team that they're a quarterback away from at least making a run in, and now you're getting you know Ben Roethlisberger, who for all the shit that comes with him, does have you know he's can throw the football better than Blake Bortles, so you know that's an upgrade right there. But you could just you could milk that for all it's worth as the Steelers, and just uh, the one issue is is that the Steelers have done absolutely nothing to put anything behind Big Ben. Like you're going to turn to Josh Dobbs as your as your you know suddenly your franchise quarterback. So if they were if they had like a Jimmy Garoppolo waiting in the wings, I, I mean, I would the instant this kind of whole thing like boiled up and became part of the media, I would have been like, all right, Big Ben, you are out. Like we're siding with Antonio Brown. He's the Hall of Fame talent here. He's the guy that we got to keep around. Big, you know, Ben, we've got we've got this guy in the wings that's going to replace you. We're moving on. We're done. Why not Derek Carr? You want to do a straight swap, Ben Roethlisberger yeah. for Derek Carr? Yeah. I just feel bad about my Ukraine joke. But other than that, <laughs> I think we've covered the <laughs> Yeah. This is, this is Clark just effectively being like, remember when I said 10 minutes ago that I don't care about the Steelers? I still don't. And I, I'm actually now more worried about well, the fact so- that I- Higher nation. I know that it's hot, and I know that a lot of people are talking about it even still now. But do y'all really think one of these people isn't going to be on the Steelers next year? I think there is a thirty-five percent chance Antonio Brown is not on the Steelers next year. I think we forget about it by the time the Super Bowl rolls around. Yeah, that's probably true. Too. Probably yeah. until Big Ben. Such a good story for the week of the Super Bowl. It would have helped get us through that, like, did you know that the backup long snapper for the Saints also owns a tire repair shop? Come on, Ben. If you're going to have breaking – if you're going to pick a fight with an all-star receiver, uh, can we wait until Super Bowl week so that we have news to carry us all the way through there? If, I mean, clearly, like like Jordan said, he was the one who is controlling this whole narrative. So, Ben, pick a better time for it to come out. This is this is your fault. This is poor marketing and media management on your part, uh, Ben. So, and I will not invite you onto the podcast to back yourself up because no, uh, we uh, don't like you. You're you're not a <laughs> not a good person. So, anti Roethlisberger podcast. Yeah, amen. Uh, all right. Well, since since we're done with the Steelers, uh, let's go to the coaching hires because there have been a, quite a few uh, of guys who have come into the NFL now in head coaching positions. There's all kinds of uh, chatter about it, too. But we'll start with the guys who've been hired. Uh, and for that, we'll first turn to the man with the sources, the man who has a special connection with one of the teams that is now intimately involved in the head coaching picking uh, Matt LaFleur, offensive coordinator for the uh, Tennessee Titans, who we were all very excited about last year when he got signed on, now head coach for the Packers. Jordan, how are you feeling about this? Um, I'm actually feeling really good about the hire. Uh, obviously, it's it's too early to tell. So the thing is, the Titans weren't that great <laughs> this past year. I think they were 27th in like passing DVOA, but they were like, 12th and rushing DB away. They got a little bump there at the end of the season, which was nice. Um, 
the thing I was focusing on this entire offseason, I was a little worried about Josh McDaniels being apparent, the apparent front runner for the Green Bay Packers, but I really wanted no part of Josh McDaniels. Uh, the offense seemed fun, but there are just a couple of red flags that really worried me, um, especially like, if, like getting a job and then being like, mm, on second thought, I'm going to actually turn down that job. And then the coach that replaces me is actually doing a much better job than I would do as a head coach. Yeah, that's exactly right. The, the Packers did the exact opposite of what I was worried was going to happen, where they were going to wait for Josh McDaniels to um, come and coach, and the Patriots could just go on another Super Bowl run. So they could be waiting for weeks while other coaches get picked up and placed as coordinators or head coaches elsewhere. We already are starting to see other dominoes fall. Um, I would say that, yeah, he does have good proximity with Sean McVay, and that's a little worrisome because people are like, oh, they're just trying to find the next Sean McVay. But I would prefer people to start looking more at his proximity to Kyle Shanahan. I really liked what he did in Washington. He actually made helped make RG3 and Andrew Luck a debate about who was the better quarterback when, um, when uh, LaFleur was the uh, quarterback's coach there. He helped Matt Ryan with his 2016 MVP season which was pretty damn miraculous considered these uh, following two years weren't exactly as great. Um, and then he was really just tapped as the offensive coordinator in Los Angeles because he and McVay were both in Washington together. So, I mean, that's just kind of a, uh, a good mind calling in another good mind to help run the offense. Uh, one of the reasons he let LaFleur go to um, Tennessee was because there, he was um, getting the opportunity to call plays there whereas he wasn't getting the opportunity to call the plays in Los Angeles so I like that aspect of it the the offense is just going to be really smooth and I'm excited to see Aaron Jones uh in that running game yeah that's that's I think going to be the biggest thing is that he is going to come in with a run mentality uh because you talk about Kyle Shanahan I mean the Shanahan offense it's all you know play action downfield, but with a steady run game, particularly zone running out to the sides, uh, which is something I think Aaron Jones can thrive in. Clark, you as a as an AFC Souther pro- have witnessed probably more Titans games than than the three of us combined. So I would say, I would ask you then, what what are your feelings? How do you feel like Matt LaFleur's offense from what you saw in Tennessee could translate with the Packers kind of offensive weapons? So I... I'm with Jordan. I'm more interested in the Kyle Shanahan connection for LaFleur and McVay than I am associating McVay necessarily as kind of a superior to LaFleur. I don't think what we saw in Tennessee is going to be what we see in Green Bay. I think Mike Rabel, uh, everything he says seems to indicate that he is in charge of the team and people do things his way. And the Titans offense was not super creative this year. They pounded the ball, then finally started having success late. And Mariota and kind of Jameis Winston, too, showed us that they're not really that good at quarterback. So I don't think what we saw in Tennessee is going to be remotely close to what we see in Green Bay. And I'm also extremely excited to see what LaFleur can do if they do the play-action game because, uh, you know, Matt Schaub led the league in passing one year under that Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan tree. Uh, when you get someone talented like Aaron Rodgers, uh, who doesn't have to make every play himself, I think that's going to be that's gonna be fun to watch. And Nicholas, we turn to you to ask uh, your insight 
um, as someone who really enjoys discussing uh, Sean McVay's coaching tree, uh, people whom have groomed his foliage, uh, as well as as cleaning apartment. What, what is your insight here for for the amount of information that Matt Lafleur has has drawn from Sean McVay, uh, given his proximity to him? I uh, I'm just gonna say that Clark actually stole my notes and, and gave my answer, so we can we can move on from discussing yes. any more of Sean McVay's gardeners. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, peeling back the onion curtain. Nick had a, a a small a small angry rant on on Slack our Slack channel about how any kind of Sean McVay coaching jokes are stupid and anyone who makes them, uh, well, is not really, is, is low comedy. I would say it's <laughs> low comedy. But the take was original. We didn't, that was, I just came up with that. So that's, oh, yes. I didn't steal it from someone else. No, no, Clark's, Clark's insight is all 100% Clark. That's coming from the man who told you that Nick Chubb was going to be a fantasy monster. So <laughs> you know that shit's right. Had Le'Veon uh, Bell as my number one this year, baby. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell is my number one, baby. I I'm very excited for this. Uh, the the on the flip side, as in terms of how this impacts the Titans, uh, fun story. Marks Mariota is about to have his fifth offensive coordinator in four years. So keep that development up, Marcus. That's going to be great. Getting Alex Smith. I know. That's and we wonder why. Uh, these quarterbacks get stunted. All right, another head coaching hire, Cliff Kingsbury uh, of college football fame, I guess. Uh, just as now the head coach just announced today was the he- is signed on as the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, this got batted around the internet. Some of his statistics is that he's 35 and 40 in six seasons uh, in college and was fired from Texas Tech for underperforming. And so the question is, is like, well, like, can a college coach who's underperformed in college really come into the NFL and like and coach NFL games? Uh, so Nick, we're going to start with you this time, uh, and I would ask you to describe your confidence level in this hiring uh, in terms of Ryan Gosling movies. Which movie would you describe your confidence level for for this hiring? I am not prepared to answer this question oh. on the Gosling scale. Oh, Nicholas, have you ever seen a Ryan um, Gosling film? Let's just start listing them. What was the one where he was? Uh, he played the the uh, the murderer. It oh, leads you on at the beginning, the and then then guy. things, yeah, things do do go south. The guy who was in the Jinx, um, but yeah, things go south. Maybe they won't go south, and maybe he'll never actually turn into a murderer. Um, I'm I'm optimistic right now. Uh, I think you know he, he they've got some young guns to work with, and. I don't know if we were going to circle back to the Antonio Brown trade discussion, but the Cardinals would be an interesting place. Nick, if... we are done with that. Clark okay, clearly said we are no longer talking about that. Okay. So no, that's, if... a good, that's a good way to tie it all nicely together. Thank um, you. Because I do think that that could be a, a saucy team for, for, uh, for Antonio. Because quickly, if we had gotten into a more in-depth conversation about where Antonio Brown was going to get traded um, – He's not going to go anywhere in the AFC. The Steelers aren't going to do that. So it's only Probably going to be not. an NFC tri- NFC team they get straight to. But Nicholas, uh, continue. So they've got the seventh most cap space next year. They're sitting at $63 million, And uh, Larry Fitzgerald is likely retiring. Um, they, drafted the Christ- yeah. <laughs> they drafted Christian Kirk to play inside. So, I mean, hey, you, you get uh, Cliff in there to work with Antonio Brown, Clyde. 
Kirk inside and, and develop Josh Rosen and allow David Johnson to catch a hundred passes. Um, I, I, I see a lot of reason for optimism. Jordan, what about you? Um, so my Ryan Gosling movie is one of my favorites that I described this at as uh, crazy, stupid love. Because I can't decide if this is crazy enough to work, if it's just plain stupid, or if I'm going to end up loving this decision. Um, I, I wanted to see Cliff Kingsbury in his office. That's called preparation, Nicholas. That's, called pre- <laughs> that's what really preparation good. looks like. Yeah, so planning I, I for the um, I, I want to see Cliff Kingsbury's offense and his principles in the NFL at some point. I thought maybe it would come more as like a quarterback's coach or an offensive coordinator first, not giving the keys to the kingdom to a first-time NFL coach, not first-time NFL head coach, first-time NFL coach. He has no NFL coaching experience at all. Um, I think it's super questionable that they – hired uh, or they fired Steve Wilkes after one year as a coach, just one single year. And they decide to give um, the head coaching position to somebody with zero um, NFL pro coaching experience at all. I just think that's a questionable practice. I think Steve Kime is just praying to the gods that this is something that's just radical enough for him to save his job for another season. Um, I don't, I don't love it. Now, Steve Kime, Steve Kime is on thin ice uh, and honestly should have been fired this year. Uh, just it's always it. I, I always find it so interesting when a and John Elway falls in this category, too, for me, when like a general manager has a has a bunch of poor head coaching hires or, or you know, they or they only have them on for like one or two years. The head coach gets hired, but no one like challenges the GM being like, well, you chose this guy like. You sat down in a room with Steve Wilkes or with Vance Joseph and were like, hey, this is the, yeah, this is the head coach. This is who I want to ride with. And even if things went poorly, like the onus still is on you for picking that player or that that person to come in and be your coach. So I think John Elway's on thin ice as well, but Steve Kime certainly is on thin ice. And I agree with you, Jordan. Like the the shitty thing here is, is that I think a lot of this plays into more of the like, oh, young offensive minded coaches are all the craze now. Yeah, you know, here's a guy who's done it. Let's do this. Um, so I, I, I have my my Ryan Gosling film pick uh, is Drive because uh, it's going to be a crazy ride, and at the end you're going to have no idea what the fuck you just watched. So that's <laughs> that's basically what the trip of the with the Cardinals is going to be in 2019, and hopefully hopefully it works out because we on this podcast like to wish the best upon people, but I could also see it very easily crashing and burning. Uh, uh, Clark, what's your Confidence level. I'm going to go with the notebook as I'm perusing Ryan Gosling. I'm all caught up now on who Ryan Gosling is. Uh, because this movie looks spicy. Uh, so Cliff Kingsbury has a crummy college record. But if memory serves, this was back when UT and Oklahoma were winning national championships. Like they were really, really good. And Texas Tech was barely an also ran after they'd let go. Uh, Mike Leach, Kingsbury brought some excitement back to the program. The offense was fantastic. Uh, they're playing seventh fiddle down here in Texas, and I, I'm surprised that he was almost 500. Uh, y'all are right. It, it's a big swing. It's like, hey, let's take this guy that's unproven and give him a shot. I like the boldness of the move, but it is the move of a desperate man. So I feel like he's going to have two years, and if it doesn't work out, then Kime and Klings- Klingsbury are probably going to be moving on. That's a gripping review of the notebook as spicy. 
It looks spicy. There's rain. There's kissing. It's a spicy film. I can it, see you through Ryan Gosling's shirt. Loud it. I can see like if if uh, if Wilkes had been flaming out and just been a complete dumpster fire for the past three seasons, then fine. Go ahead and take a shot at somebody and try something new. I would have liked the hire maybe more for like the Miami Dolphins who have been pretty perpetually bad over the past few seasons too, but have still had the same head coach in that situation. But like the, the one off with Steve Wilkes, not at least giving him a chance. It's kind of a tough, tough look. I think honestly, if you, what they should have done is keep Steve Wilkes. They fired Brian Leftwich, bring Cliff as your offensive coordinator. Cause you were right, Jordan. Like he's had no NFL coaching experience before. And I know there were some, Rumors batted around that if Josh McDaniels left anywhere, uh, the Patriots were thinking of interviewing him for Cliff Kingsbury as their offensive coordinator. So, like, I do think you have to – it's a jump to suddenly become a head coach. And this is from years of Madden experience where yeah. as a head coach for a Madden franchise, I mean, it's a – I can say – it's a lot of time that you have to dedicate to making sure your team has success, uh, experiences success. Um, and and on, on a more serious note, like it's just, I honestly think that a one year off for a head coach is just not enough time to see what they can do. Like a lot of these times, these people, these coaches are thrown into shitty situations where the players aren't maybe right for their scheme to start with. And it takes a couple of years for you to get the right guys on your team to like truly install the playbook and install your mentality and figure out what you want to do. And like a one year off to me, to me, it kind of felt like a Rooney rule and then, all right, cut ties because that's not actually who we wanted. I have no, idea. like, I don't know. It's it Sam Bradford and a rookie. Yeah. Like give the guy, give the guy a, two to three years, see what he could do. And if you're so hooked on this, like offensive coordinator, like frenzy, we'll put them as your offensive coordinator. Like let have them give the offensive coordinator a little more control in the offense and still see what happens. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's a sticky situation. I'm glad none of us went with the obvious Ryan Gosling movie. And that's remember the Titans. I'm glad we didn't go with the obvious football reference. He wasn't even on the cover. Yeah. (laughs) No, he was a liability in the movie. (laughs) I couldn't even see him in the picture, so I figured, ah, it's not a major role. Put in PD. <laughs> Google must have been a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The last uh, head coaching hire we have to talk about is our boy Bruce Arians coming out of retirement like a true champion, fighting off the the, uh, the cobwebs uh, to most likely. I don't think he's officially signed it yet, but it seems like all the paperwork's uh, ready to go. Has he officially signed, Nick? Well, so Schefter just put out a story, like, since we've been recording this, that apparently the Cardinals made a big stink about, that, like, that they still owned his rights or something. So a coaching trade has happened. Oh, they breaking have- news! They're, yeah, they're, they're trading, breaking news. They're trading Bruce Arians and uh, their seventh round pick for the Buck sixth rounder. Well, that's just really unexciting. It should have held out for like a map. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> map. I thought I thought for sure when you said they threw in a seventh, I was like, ooh, this is going to be a nice return. Not like we literally gave you a seventh for a six. 
I feel like that's a real Steve Kime. Like I hire coaches and fire them after a year, and I'm gonna get a conditional sixth out of you for Steve Kimes. Steve Kimes quickly joining uh, Ben Roethlisberger as a non-welcome guest on this podcast. But uh, thank you for that breaking news, Nicholas. Because then it seems like Bruce Arians is officially the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, and uh, and that to me is very exciting. I'm actually kind of on board with this because I think uh, if anyone is going to fix Jameis Winston or if we're ever going to see Jameis Winston, you know, dip his toe into the potential pool that everyone thought he had as the whatever first overall pick uh, when the Bucks took him, it's quarterback whisperer Bruce Arians. Um, and he fits that, that team. I mean, he's all about the, the run and gun, shooting it all over the field. And you've got Mike Evans. you got uh, uh, Deshaun Jackson still on that team. He's not going to play for them next year. No, he's not going to play for them next year. Well, maybe he will now. But you got Chris Godwin. You got OJ Howard. You've got Cameron Brait. Uh, they need to get themselves a running back. But anyways, Mike Evans? I, I said Mike Evans. Oh, okay. See the Godwin. Um, so so I like it. I like that hiring. It's also it's, – it's, again, just another example when a coach says, oh, I'm retiring. It's like, well, you were just, I was unhappy with my position and I didn't want to get fired and or quit. So I just was like, oh, I'm going to leave until a better position appears. But Bruce Arians, I like that fit. Yeah, I'm actually a little bit surprised they didn't like put uh, Todd Monken in a well deep within the recesses of their stadium and not let him escape anywhere else to make him the head coach. But Bruce Arians is pretty good, though. Good guy. I'm disappointed. I really like Bruce Arians, and it's I. I wasn't going to bring it up when we were talking about Ben Roethlisberger, but there are a few guys in the league who have reputations that I, I'm just not going to be able to probably get past. And I, I don't feel like oh, it was reported that this person did this is anything to make a judgment on. But some people have shown a pervasive behavior trait that makes me believe they're not really good people. So it kind of saddened me to see Arians go to Tampa Bay, but. Uh, Oh boy, Mike Evans and fantasy is looking good though. Yeah, that's looking nice. That's a good point, Clark. Well said, Nicholas. Do you have anything to add, or shall we move on? Uh, I'm just reeling. I'm uh, I'm <laughs> aware of uh, of Bruce Arians' drinking issues, but I was unaware of anything else. Now I'm just kind of sad. Oh, oh no, no, Bruce, Bruce Arians. Arians no, Bruce Arians is a good person. We're talking about James oh. Winston here. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay, cool. Someone yeah. having some substance abuse problems, you know, that doesn't make you a shitty person. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I wish you all out. the best. Uh, no, no, no. Could make you a bad coach, though. Just ask Steve. Sarkisian. <laughs> oh, <laughs> true. Damn. Shots fired. <laughs> oh my wow. This is this is an aggressive podcast. Wow. <laughs> this is what happens when we we have a week off to just brainstorm all of these uh these slights. 2019, nothing but heat. <laughs> new year, new Jordan. There's still hope that Ryan Fitzpatrick might just gunsling all over the place, Marion. Good lord! If you were if you were the Jaguars or a team that was on the brink and you needed to get yourself a quarterback, who would you rather trade for, Jameis Winston or Ben Roethlisberger? On the Roethlisberger, that's it's the Jaguars. <laughs> so, We've upset Clark. The Jaguars. Clark is Clark is nitpicking my my wordage. Uh, uh, anomaly season. Let's do it <laughs> like the Giants, who 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 could sure, be good the Giants. Be. There you go. All right, the Giants. Who would you rather have, Jameis Winston what? or Ben Roethlisberger? The Giants are on the brink. The Giants. The Giants have a good offense. If you put someone who can throw the ball twenty yards down the field, I mean, their line is questionable. They don't have a defense. I Jags come Clark. 
Jags beat the, the Giants straight up nine times out of ten. Get out of here. Jaguars aren't good. Oh, so much heat. I love it. Uh, wow. uh, my final point before we move on from talking about coaches, uh, there are now five head coaches in the NFL that are younger than Tom Brady. Uh, how old is Tom Brady? He is uh, 41 years old. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm approaching the age quickly when they're like, Adam Vinatieri is so old. I'm like, hey, hold hey. on. That's, hey. He's not even middle age yet. Calm down. He looks old, though. Not as a bad oh, thing, but just like his beard is white. Was wonderful. I loved that. He looks like he looks like a, a trim Santa Claus. Do you think he'll have to dye it blue if they have Ooh. road game? That's a good question. Well, they have a road game. They're going to uh, Kansas City, so he's got to dye it blue to match the jersey. That's right. That's a good point, Clark. Adam Benatari, you are welcome onto this podcast to talk about your uh, beard dyeing tactics. There it is. I was saying antics and tactics, and I just kept combining them into not an existing word. Uh, cool. So there you go. There's some coaching news around the NFL and a lot of heat, flaming hot heat. Uh, we're going to move on, and we're going to quickly recap the beer bets that we made at the beginning of the season. And I'm glad that I waited uh, until we had all four of us on the podcast because all four of us made a bunch of beer bets at the start of the 2018 season. So we're, re- we're going to recap those as well as uh, recapping Clark's and my bets for the wild card. Excuse me. And in thus recapping the wild card weekend a little bit and having a little chitty chat about that. And then preview the divisional round. I was going to dedicate more time to the divisional round, but then I was like, I kind of found you guys because this is a business. Uh, playoff previews don't get them clicks. You know what gets them clicks? Talk about Antonio Brown for thirty minutes. So <laughs> big. Clicks. We did it. We did it for fifteen. So uh, go and put that shit in the title. Get that big, SEO. Big click energy. Big click energy. Uh, so let's start with our 2018 regular season beer bets. And we're going to go way back in time. We're starting at the top of the list. Nicholas started off uh, with a beer bet saying that Leonard Fournette would finish a top 10 fantasy running back. uh, And clearly that did not happen. But only Clark took him up on it because Clark has so little faith in the Jaguars. So that is a beer ode to Clark by Nicholas. Okay. Good night, everybody. That's uh, (laughs) And we're done. Victory by Clark. Uh, Jordan made a bet. That Drew Brees throws for 35 touchdowns, which Clark off Clark also took. Uh, and I'm quickly going to bring up Drew Brees' stats, but I think he already he topped the 35 mark. That's an information so that's he did not. 32 like touchdowns. 32. Ah, Another beer. Wow, what a Ooh. chump. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get Bridgewater in there. Let's get Joe Flacco in there. Get Joe Flacco kids up the field and throw some touchdowns, man. Uh let's see who is next. Clark made a bet. Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson both throw over 40 touchdowns. Uh, Aaron Rodgers did not even sniff 40 touchdowns. So close. And, and I don't think Deshaun Watson did. they get it together? Uh, <laughs> they do get it together. Oh, You're right. Did, uh, Teamwork. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had 25 touchdowns and Deshaun Watson had 26. So that's 50 together. Uh, both Jordan and I get a beer on that because we took Clark up on that. Uh, Nick, did you just like make a bet and leave? You might have. You only have one bet. It was the Leonard Fournette one. That's that's the reason I just bring it up. Anyway, I, I made some 
on the fake teams thing, uh, Slack overall, and I don't want to review those either. I did. I do want to say, ooh, oh no, I'm, I'm getting all kinds of distracted. I did say that uh, Tevin Coleman was going to have a good season. Clark fought me on that one. I won. Uh, it, Clark. Brandon Cook finishes a top twelve wide receiver. I made this deal. Clark uh, took me up on it. Brandon Cooks finished in both standard and PPR, thirteenth, thirteenth best receiver. Uh, I also made this bet with uh, SB Nation's Ram site, Turf Show Times, um, and uh, and so we and so you'll see on Fake Team's Twitter banner uh, is now is now the uh, punishment. Uh, for failing that bet, Jordan uh, Jordan Wilkes finishes a top twelve fantasy running back. <laughs> Both Clark and I took him up on that, so that's beers for us. I said bottom twelve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, I, I, I totally didn't. Uh, must have typed it in wrong. Clark has Lamar Miller finishing as a top ten fantasy running back. I don't think that panned out, but he did. He did have a better season than maybe someone had expected. <sighs> Jordan and I took him up on that. Uh, I said Rex Burkhead finishes with 15 total touchdowns and is a top 10 fantasy running back. So close. So close. I will blame injury for that. Uh, Clark and Jordan get a beer off of me. Sam Darnold will be a top 10 fantasy quarterback from Jordan. Uh, both Clark and I took him up on that. If he had said Baker Mayfield, I think you still would have been wrong, but you would have at least been closer. Uh, but Sam Darnold was not the rookie quarterback to have chosen. Two left. Gronk scores 15 plus touchdowns, says Clark the Always a Gronk supporter. That I love failed. our optimistic takes on the season. This is it's <laughs> nice to look back. This is a hell of a season if we had if if everything had panned out our way. Um so far we are also batting a, a solid zero for zero or zero percent. Um and then finally, the one that I kept alluding to throughout the entire season because it was the closest to actually happening was Mike Williams catching double-digit touchdowns while Keenan Allen catches less than five. Keenan Allen surpassed five, and I believe Mike Williams didn't quite make double-digit touchdowns. Uh, he, the regular season, oh, he caught 10 exactly. So he both he, he held up his side of the bet, but Keenan Allen was unable to uh, catch less than five. So Clark and Jordan get a beer off of me. Did we not do uh, Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis? Uh, do, 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 do. I don't have it written down as a regular season oh, bet. So we didn't do it. Nope. Yeah. No, 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 Deion Lewis. That's, uh, just, that's the antithesis of fantasy football. You're just bright and shiny and optimistic in the beginning of the season, and then it grinds you into a pit of despair. <laughs> that is- inaccurate <laughs> takes that are so just wild by the end of the season they don't even make sense uh, like what were we actually thinking <laughs> the jordan wilkinson's one of my favorites i thought he was going to be good <laughs> when he took the lead role but <laughs> to be fair he doesn't get the uh the pleasure and the honor of running behind what is now a great colts offensive line they were still putting things together when he had the uh, oh, lead duties for fuck's sake <laughs> i have to listen <laughs> About how great the <laughs> offensive line for the Colts is for another 40 minutes this weekend. <laughs> Good night. Can you not talk about anything else on the broadcast? These broadcasts this week were tough, boys. Did y'all watch the games? Oh, what a transition. No. Oh. Well, I watched some, but they were all on mute. I thought mute would fix the ESPN broadcast, and I was wrong. Oh, no. I heard it Booger was, was in, in the uh, press box this time. Yeah, he he was in there. He, he was ready. He was he was <laughs> insufferable, ready to just bump out Jason Witten. Well, <laughs> granted, 
Jason Witten should be bumped out. Yeah. There was someone, I don't know who it was, someone was talking about Roquan Smith. They said something like, sometimes he does stupid things. Like, that was, like, it's descriptive. That's like the kind of insight we provide. He's just sometimes things don't go good for that person. Uh, I, I got a question. I asked people on Twitter this and nobody responded. So I'll use this platform to do it again. Uh, if they showed commercials picture in picture for the entire game, would you watch the NFL? No. What's, what's, what's the, sure? well, like what's the benefit to it? You're saying just, Oh, you're saying because there wouldn't be commercial breaks then anymore. Like, you know, no, no, there'd, there'd still be the, it's what they're doing now. Whenever they're like, we're going to go get a quick message from state farm. And right. so they do a little commercial on the side. On top, oh, so you were saying you're saying two hours of commercials that we already have during the game. So is there saying, a line that you would just be like, uh, oh, no. that there's I've, too many, too much commercials? Yeah. yeah, if there was constant commercials from when you turned it on at one until it finished at three twenty-five, I would, I would probably stop watching. I already don't watch that much anymore. I I like there to be. A, l- a little bit of a break. I, I like when they do it like sporadically where they have the picture in picture, but I'm a psychopath. So when there's a commercial on one side, but there's still football players on the other side, I'm still like watching just in case they like break to it sooner than <laughs> suddenly they just going snap to. it and throw a touchdown. George's like, I didn't see that in high def. Yeah. I, I need a visual break for certain so I can like run into the kitchen or something and get more beer. I don't know. I don't give a shit. I, yeah, I'd still watch it. <laughs> I totally still watch it. We're not going to watch football. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we we briefly have touched on it, but we, we're getting to the wild card now uh, and the wild card beer bets. Uh, we'll start with the uh, Clark's Texans sadly losing to the Indianapolis Colts. The quick beer bets there that we had made, I had said Luck and Watson would throw for eight touchdowns, and that did not happen. And Clark said Hopkins and Hilton would both go over 150 yards, and that did not happen. Uh, Although Hilton did have a very good game. Quentin Nelson is so good. (laughs) That Colts offensive line. (laughs) They are just the best. I do think you have to give Frank Reich a ton of credit, which also happened a million times. Uh, They've really changed how they're using Luck. Uh, And since... Bruce Arians kind of used to always have him take these five and seven step drops and sit back there forever and chuck it deep. And that's when we all fell in love with Andrew Luck, but he's really turning into a fantastic read it quick, throw it quick quarterback. No, the Frank Reich hire, I said it earlier in the podcast, but uh, the Colts lucked into that one or maybe not lucked in, but just like things went much better than, than, they thought they didn't get Josh McDaniels. And I think ultimately, I don't really think Josh McDaniels is a good head coach. I think Jordan, you saved yourself too, by not getting Josh McDaniels as your head coach. Uh, your, his play calling would have just driven Packers fans up a wall. Uh, but, but yeah, so I think the the Colts definitely won out in that one. And I'm glad I'm, I know it's, I know it's sad to, to say goodbye to Clark's Texans, but I'm glad that the Colts are continuing and that they get to play the chiefs because I think the Colts could knock the chiefs out. And I love the Colts' chances uh, at winning in Foxborough, which are zero. It could happen. I'm in on that, too. It could. It could. Anything could happen. My gunner. Uh, next wildcard game was the Dallas Cowboys uh, against the Seattle Seahawks. I said Jerry Jones would fire Jason Garrett after the Cowboys lost. That didn't happen because the Cowboys won. But rest assured, had they lost, Jason Garrett would have gotten fired. So... Uh, 
Clark said Zeke would have 175 total yards, I believe. I'm going to give it to you, Clark, because he had 169. Uh, no. Yo, Clark doesn't think he deserves it. No. I mean, you got 13th on Brandon Cooks if we're going to be giving That's away true. victories. That's true. That's true. I was just, I mean, I was just, it was a bold prediction and it pretty much panned out. But the, the root of that bet came true, which was that it was the Ezekiel Elliott show was what took the Seahawks down, uh, was that that offense relied upon him and he looked great. He looked great in that game. Um, and and also, did Nick, since you are uh, a bandwagon Seahawks fan, someone who just some, sometimes tunes in, sometimes cares about them. I mean, who knows where your allegiances truly lie? Uh, <laughs> did, I assume you watched that game? Yeah. What was – everyone seemed to be very much up in arms with Brian Schottenheimer's play calling in that game. What was the kind of like – was it as bad as people were saying? Because it sounded like – his plan was to run the ball a, a shit ton, which has kind of been the Seahawks' mo all season. It's been effective to, for them. Yeah, it was his mo. Um, I, I saw today. There was, I think, what kind of encapsulates the whole thing was there was a scoring drive. The scoring drive that we had involved one Russell Wilson throw for 22 yards and eight carries for 22 yards. It's good. That's, that's a good efficient offense right there. Yeah, that's the Seahawks, and it, it drives me out of my fucking mind. They're like, uh, they're such a good run defense. And we were like, we're going to pound the rock, even though they know it's coming. And yeah, that's a you lose game. You also have Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett, who had been kind we of have, balling out all season. We have Russell Wilson. I think, I think the rush attempt to pass attempt, it was a, it was 24 rushes to 27 pass attempts, which is unacceptable when you have Russell Wilson, at quarterback. And uh, okay. Last, last little rant here. Warren Sharp noted that uh, when Doug Baldwin is not on the field, we are we have the fewest amount of twenty plus yard passes. When Doug Baldwin is on the field, we are tied for first with Kansas City for throws of over twenty yards. Yet we're still splitting our run pass ratio right down the middle. It, everyone should be fired. There's nothing more exciting on this podcast than getting Nick talking <laughs> about the Seahawks. All right, I'm Just, gonna mute. It's just a beautiful time. It's a beautiful thing. I love getting it. Uh, talking about good run-pass ratios, or ones that are maybe a little more understandable, uh, we move to the first game on Sunday, which was the Los Angeles Chargers heading to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Beer bets made there. I said Rivers and Jackson would both throw a touch uh, interception. Excuse me. Jackson did his part. Rivers did not, so that was not a successful bet. But Clark... I, I was going to give you the Ezekiel Elliott one, but one that you did straight up earn. You said Melvin Gordon would get under 50 rushing yards, which he did, partially because he was injured, but partially because, hey, that Baltimore defense is really freaking good. He had 44 yards, so well done, sir. Finally in the books, the win. Finally in the books. Um, as a Patriots fan, I am going to say I am ecstatic that the Baltimore Ravens are out of the playoffs because I was just certain that they were going to come into Foxborough. That defense was going to hold Brady and the Patriots to Patriots offense, to like 10 points. And then somehow Lamar Jackson was going to score in a last second touchdown to, uh, to win that game. So that was going to be crushing. That being said, the way that Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram in particular played that game. Uh, I'm a little terrified that, that the chargers pass rush is going to get after Brady and it's going to be a long game long day for him in the pocket. So it's going to be a really good game, uh, more or less. The, the It is shaping itself. It's also uh, a, a 
it's like a, the final passing of the torch, not even passing of the torch, but it's like the last stand of the old quarterbacks. It's Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady facing off against each other. Meanwhile, you got Patrick Mahomes and, and Andrew Luck facing off in the other AFC game as the as the young birds. So uh, it should be a really good game. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see. Uh, and I also think I heard a crazy stat on the around the NFL podcast. The Chargers this year are undefeated to games that they flew to. Uh, they lost to the Rams on the road, but they did not fly to that game. They drove. Uh, so games that they flew to, they are undefeated. And the Patriots are undefeated at home. So one of those records is going to have to give uh, this weekend. Uh, don't forget to include all pro um, Derwin James when you're talking about all those great San, uh, San Diego. I almost said it. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers uh, defenders. But I think the... Uh, I think the Chargers are undefeated on games they flew to because Philip Rivers became just an expert traveler this past season, commuting to and from uh, <laughs> San Diego to Los Angeles. He's just an expert traveler. He knows what he's doing. He's he's a real dad. Do you think? Do you think that the reason that they do so much better on the road is, or or they are undefeated on the road when they fly, is because Philip Rivers gets a better night's sleep when he's away from his eight children? Probably. He's just like, oh, I'm finally in a plane. This is actually comfortable compared to being in his, uh, granted, it's like a luxury bus, but being in a bus and then having a bunch of children hanging off of you, I, I think that's more comfortable for him. Final game of Wildcard Weekend, uh, a game that uh, if I had recorded my reaction after uh, after the Bears missed that field goal, um, I think I said fuck every other word. I was very upset because I do not like the Eagles, but the Eagles, Clark, your beer bet of the Eagles winning came true. So that's another win for you, sir. Uh, whereas I don't remember what my uh, my exact bet was, but it was basically the fact that the Nick Foles narrative dies, which clearly has not come true. Uh, it lives on the hand of Jesus itself. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Uh, I, uh, this game infuriated me for so many reasons, but we'll, uh, but, uh, Nicholas, what do you, do you have anything to comment on this? It was tipped. Cool. We we're just talking about the kick. Yeah, it was, it was tipped and it was sad. You saw videos of, of him, of what was his name? Dan Parkey, Parkley, Parkey, Cody, 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 Cody Parkey. Parkey getting booed off the field, um, before it was kind of like broadcast that, uh, that the kick was tipped. Cause, uh, cause he, you know, missed a doink, did a double doink, which I guess is now a phrase. Um, the one thing I will say, Allen Robinson finally showed up and balled out. Uh, he was possibly the best receiver, uh, on the field that day. But, uh, but ultimately I, I, I need the saints to just dismantle the Eagles on divisional round weekend. I just need it to happen. I cannot tolerate an NFL where the Eagles led by Nick Foles are somehow still some magically walking their way to a effing Super Bowl. Yeah, we are actually dangerously close to having a full NFC East uh NFC championship game, which is uh pretty wild. I, however, was just super enjoying myself during the Chicago Philadelphia game. Um uh, because I just don't think Mitch Trubisky is that great of a quarterback. And if he ended up uh, going deep or, heaven forbid, going to a Super Bowl and actually winning, I think he would be right on that list with, like, Trent Dilfer and Joe Flacco where you're like, how in the heck did this guy win a Super Bowl? I agree with that. Yeah, there's <clears throat> it's an interesting 
question because I've heard a lot of people talk about how the two te- how the Eagles and Bears were pretty evenly matched, and that's why it was a close game. Which, yeah, sure they were. Um, yeah, like who who would you rather have for the Bears? Would you have rather had Nick Foles or Mitch Dubisky in that game? And I think the answer is Nick Foles, which really goes against my kill the Nick Foles narrative. But here I am milking it. Yeah, I think that's what you got to look at in the first round. I thought the, to take it back a little bit, I thought the Ravens had a really good shot at beating San Diego, but then you really need to look and be like, well, is a rookie Lamar Jackson actually going to beat Phillip Rivers? Like, which quarterback are you actually taking? And in this case, yeah, I think the majority of people should probably look more towards Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. Uh, quickly, we'll talk about the divisional round. And I think Jordan, you have a great way of, of looking at it because you talk about the quarterbacks and we have some really nice quarterback matchups here for the divisional round. Uh, and I talked about the AFC, but you got in the AFC, you got Andrew Luck going up against Patrick Mahomes. You got Tom Brady going up against Phillip Rivers. Uh, you've got Dak Prescott slash Ezekiel Elliott, really, uh, going up against Jared Goff and Todd Gurley. There's a fun combo. And then you've got Drew Brees going up against Nick Foles. And that's what I'm saying. If the Saints somehow manage to lose to the Eagles, I will probably break my television in ferocious anger. I don't really see the Saints losing being in New Orleans. And uh, I think they're actually one of the teams. You worry a little bit about bi-week teams sometimes not having playing for a little while. But I think New Orleans is really one of those teams at this point in the season that really needed to take a step back and just breathe for a little bit before they had another game. And if uh, if a better quarterback was playing against the Philadelphia Eagles, which a better quarterback definitely will be this Sunday or this weekend, I don't know if it's on Saturday or Sunday, but this weekend, then they would have destroyed Philadelphia's defensive backs this past weekend, just obliterated them. And Drew Brees probably will. Michael Thomas is going to score like three touchdowns off double moves because that's how Allen Robinson was getting open all day. Uh, do you guys have some beer bets for the divisional round? Yeah, I've got one for each. I've got Breeze goes over 350. I think that's happening. I agree with you that I will not take that bet. Yeah, I'm not taking that. Over 350? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think he curb stomps. Fine. Drew Breeze <laughs> throws for fewer than 350. Oh, my God. Taking that. Oh, definitely taking that, Clark. That's so not yeah, gonna happen. Uh oh. Yeah, give me a two. <laughs> what else you got, Clark? I can run through them all here. I got T.Y. Hilton uh outperforms Tyreek Hill, even though the Chiefs are gonna win. I, I don't uh, think so. Yeah, I'll take that. Let's do fantasy points. Yeah. I will actually agree with that because as a Tyreek Hill fantasy owner, uh teams were actually doing a lot better job towards the end of the year of containing him and letting other wide receivers just go more crazy i i'm going to uh i'm going to take you on that clark because i think it just takes one like 80 yard bomb from mahomes to tyree kill to suddenly just push him over the limit of whatever ty had managed to concoct keep going baby Dak prescott throws for three touchdowns and the loss to the rams uh i will I, take that because it's going to be the ezekiel elliott show wait three touchdowns and a loss has Dak prescott ever thrown three touchdowns has Dak Prescott ever won a game? Jordan, I would have to look that up to know. I, I, I'm <laughs> going to I'm going to take it because I don't wait, is it actually throws or scores? Ooh, good clarifications. Throws. Throws. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that because I don't Did think he throw like four to Cooper one game or something. I don't know. Well, yeah, I guess that's he threw three Cooper. To Cooper. That's true. Amari Cooper did catch like ten touchdowns in one game the immediately after he got traded, but yeah. I'll I'll still take that. 
I'm I'm not taking it because my beer bet is that the Cowboys are going to beat the Rams. Wow. I will take you on that because cool. I don't want to see the Cowboys have any success because Jerry Jones needs to fire Jason Garrett. Saddle I'll take frick it. up, Cowboy Nation. Saddle up, Cowboys. Uh, Clark, with your final beer bet. Uh, this was just for you. Uh, the Chargers upset the Patriots. Screw you, Clark. Chargers are not upsetting the Patriots. That's preposterous. I kind of think they will. Yeah, this is something that people have been saying for 12 years. It's Philip Rivers' time. It is. And that's the thing, too, is partially if the, if the Patriots did lose to the Chargers, it's so much easier for me to swallow than if they lost to the Ravens. Because, you know, you're like, yeah, Philip Rivers, you go, you go do you. You, re- you rock that bolo tie. You bring home a Super Bowl to your eight children and family. You do you. I kind of make it a rule of thumb, in, especially in the playoffs, just not to gamble against the Patriots. I'm not saying that the Chargers aren't going to win, but I just I don't gamble against the Patriots just on principle. Uh, does anyone else have beer bets to make? Not any good ones. Well, you had the Cowboys beat the Rams. That's a pretty good one. Uh, the over-under for Chiefs-Colts is 57.5 points, and I'm pounding the over. 57.5 points. Yeah, And it seems low. It does seem kind of low. You're pounding yeah. the over? Yeah, I right. think it ends like you, but I'll take that. 32-35 or something like that. Just Hey, man, defenses, defenses showed up so far in the wild card. Just saying. No team scored over 21 or 24. Chief- the Chiefs have been destroying uh, zone coverage teams. Like I don't, Pat Mahomes doesn't have a an interception against zone coverage teams so far, and that's predominantly the the Colts' means of defense. So I I, I kind of think they're just going to steamroll. I think well, my other board bet was going to be uh, Luck throws for three hundred fifty yards and three touchdowns, and they still lose. I'm going to take that because I don't think the Colts lose. I'll take it. That's because Patrick Mahomes throws no look passes and left-handed and throws it behind his back and with his butt he's the um, best quarterback we've ever seen <laughs> Dive on this we're I'm all, just we're, shit. We're all so bitter this is such a, <laughs> we're so good at hiding our our biases on this podcast me especially <laughs> i do a great job of that uh the only beer bet i got and i alluded to it earlier was just that michael thomas i just watching the the ease to which Allen Robinson got open against the uh, the Eagles defense. Michael Thomas is going to go for a buck 50 and two touchdowns easy. Yeah, I'm just so curious to see if the magic continues with the Eagles. Like, the, I, I know this is gripping analysis, but I think the only way the Eagles beat the Saints is with magic, and I feel like it's a coin flip. Yeah. God, I hope there's no more magic in Nick Foles' crotch. <laughs> Awesome. So there you go. There's a wild card pre uh, recap and a little divisional round preview. Uh, let's uh, quickly, quickly. I know we've already kind of alluded to it, but let's go through and let's pick pick the wins. Uh, Clark, for what is it? Well, let's just start with the first game, which we'll say is Chiefs uh, Colts. Clark, pick. I think the Chiefs take it. Cool. Nick. Chiefs. Chiefs. Uh, I'm gonna say the Colts upset the Chiefs. Jordan, who you got? Um. I'm going to pick the Colts and my large adult son, Quinn Nelson. Boom. Uh, then we've got, let's go Eagles, Saints. I'm going to have the Saints being the Eagles. Thank God. Nicholas. Saints. Jordan. Saints go marching in. Clark. Yeah, Saints. Got to go with the Saints. See you, big dick, Nick. Uh, 
What do you dislike about Nick Foles? I don't dislike anything about Nick Foles. I dislike the Philly fans and their stupid. We're underdogs. You're the Super Bowl champions. You can't be underdogs when you're the Super Bowl champions. That I can get behind. Yeah. So I apologize, Big Dick Nick. You, you're God's son, and you're doing great things. Uh, That's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, sir. Well done. Uh, Patriots at Chargers. Obviously, I'm going Patriots. Clark clearly is going Chargers. I'll just crazy nincompoop. Jordan, who you got? Los Angeles Chargers. Get out of here, Nicholas. (laughs) I'm going Chargers too. You guys all suck. This is going to be a solo podcast from here on out. (laughs) It's Uh, the 75% of us that picked the Chargers. I'll have teams that are out of the playoffs. So we're rooting for a hundred percent hit rate by next week. Like four different teams. That are <laughs> the no one knows what team Nick is rooting for this playoff season. Uh, and then the final game of the divisional round, uh, Cowboys and Rams. Nicholas thinks that the Cowboys are going to upset the Rams, which is preposterous. I have Rams. Clark, who do you have? I got the Rams. Jordan. Rams. Yeah, Rams. Get out of here, Nicholas. Uh, all right. So there you go, you guys. Enjoy some football this weekend. Uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review. Leave us five stars because you're excited for divisional round football. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you guys next week to recap our beer bets, recap the divisional round, preview the conference finals, conference championships, talk about whatever news is broken down, um, and uh, all make fun of you guys because you're wrong. The Chargers. Until next week, uh, peace.